Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's really good to see you all. Um, having a couple technical difficulties and just all around clumsiness on my part up here, so I'm tripping over stuff. Um, uh, but why don't we turn to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 1. I would ask as you turn there, if you uh, can squeeze in a little bit in your row, um, that'd be awesome. We have some more people coming down the hall. We do have seats in the front row here. We're not smashing watermelons or anything, so feel free to sit in the front row. Um, and as people come in, uh, feel free to scoot in and invite folks to sit next to you. Uh, we're starting a new series today uh, we're calling The Old School Gospel. We're going to see how the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament points us to Jesus, how the good news of the person and work of the Messiah, the Christ, is actually uh, demonstrated through the book of Deuteronomy, that, that as we read it, we can read with expectation as the original uh, Hebrew audience would have heard this expectation that God is sending redemption and a redeemer. And so as we read the book of Deuteronomy, uh, over the next several months, we're going to see how our joy is filled, is ultimately filled in the person and work of Jesus Christ and how he is uh, the fulfillment of God's faithfulness to his people throughout all generations. Um, so I'm really... Uh, Excited about we're going to have a fun Sunday. Praise the Lord! Uh, so we're just gonna we're just gonna roll with it. We'll, we'll see how this goes. Uh, but our goal, as we look is to see uh, Jesus through, um, through the book of Deuteronomy. We believe at Redemption Church here, as is, is, is common for most evangelical Christian churches, that the Word of God, the Bible, is inspired. It is, um, the Holy Spirit is uh, at work through His Word today, uh, that the Holy Spirit opens our minds to understand the Scriptures and our hearts to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. And so uh, going on that truth, we are going to dive into the book of Deuteronomy today and stay there for several months. And um, it is my hope and prayer that God will, will shake us up and help us have a, a greater picture of who he is and our desperate need for him and how he is faithful to rescue us through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Luke chapter 24, in the gospel of Luke chapter 24, verse 44, Jesus said, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So Jesus, as he was, uh, after he lived his life, died a death, rose again, uh, was telling his disciples as he was sending them out to say, look, uh, everything about me that was written in the law and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus is saying, look, the, the Old Testament ultimately is about me. And so we're going to see that. We're going to be reminded of that as we go through the book of Deuteronomy. So as you turn to chapter 1, uh, let me pray for our time in the Word this morning. Father God in heaven, you are indeed good and glorious. God, you are to be praised. You have been faithful to your people throughout generations. And God, despite our fickle hearts, our unfaithfulness, God, our, our uh, sin, our brokenness, our rebellion, God, you have remained true to your promises to your people. God, we thank you that you have given us the gift of your word, that we can open it, and, and by your Holy Spirit, you give us understanding in our minds and in our hearts. So God, I pray that your spirit would stir us up this morning. God, I pray that we would indeed have a clearer picture of who we are apart from you and have a clearer picture of who you are and what you've done for your glory and for our joy in the person and work of your son, Jesus. So God, we give you this time and pray that you use it for the way that best honors you and forwards the good news. We thank you in Christ's good and holy name. Amen. 
Deuteronomy chapter 1. We're going to read the first 18 verses uh, together this morning. These are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan in the wilderness, in the Arabah opposite Suf, between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab. It is 11 days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment to them. After he had defeated Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who lived in Asheroth and in Edrai. Beyond the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses undertook to explain this law, saying, The Lord our God said to us in Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighbors in the Arabah and the hill country and in the lowland and in the Negev and by the seacoast and the land of the Canaanites and Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and their offspring after them. At that time I said to you, I am not able to bear you by myself. The Lord your God has multiplied you. And behold, you are today as numerous as the stars of heaven. May the Lord, the God of your fathers, make you a thousand times as many as you are and bless you as he promised you. How can I bear by myself the weight and burden of you and your strife? Choose for your tribes wise, understanding, and experienced men, and I will appoint them as your heads. And you answered me, the thing that you have spoken is good for us to do. So I took the heads of your tribes, wise and experienced men, and set them as heads over you, commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, commanders of fifties, commanders of tens, and officers throughout your tribes. And I charged your judges at that time, hear the cases between your brothers and judge righteously between a man and his brother or the alien who is with him. You shall not be partial in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not be intimidated by anyone, for the judgment is God's. And the case that is too hard for you, you shall bring to me, and I will hear it. And I commanded you at that time all the things that you should do. This is God's word. Friends, God is faithful to his unfaithful people. And we respond to his faithfulness rather than our faith in ourselves. We see here in the book of Deuteronomy, as we go forward, we're going to be looking at large pictures, large chunks. There's so much we could dive into. So we're going to, in many ways, survey the land, and I'm hopefully going to toss out some nuggets for you to pursue in your own Bible study and discussion with other people. But today, as we look at the first 18 verses, I want us to move forward with this understanding that God is a faithful God to his unfaithful people. And then out of that, we respond in faith, not in ourselves, but in his faithfulness. So what does it mean to have faith in God's faithfulness? What does it mean to live a life of faith that is based on the faithfulness of God, not on the faithfulness of yourself, not even on the faithfulness of your parents or the faithfulness of your leaders, whether they be political or religious or in this church or in your denominational background, whatever. God is faithful, and we base our faith not on the faithfulness of others, but on the faithfulness of God. 
And this is good news. So I want us to look as we see, if you're familiar with the story, God's people were enslaved in Egypt, and God, by his uh, grace, set them free and used Moses to lead them toward a land that God had promised them. And there was time and time again periods of rebellion, and God still took care of them. And it took them several decades to get to where God wanted them to go because they rebelled and they doubted and they feared. But God was patient. And God was kind, and God fulfills his promises to them. So the first thing I want us to see is that God is a faithful God to unfaithful people. We see the book of uh, Deuteronomy fits into the grand story of redemption. If you look at the book of Genesis, God creates everything out of nothing. God creates the first man, the first woman, says, you are to, to be with me and to be with each other, and I'm going to bless you, and you will find your ultimate joy in me. And then you get to chapter 3, and sin enters the world. Man and woman rebel against God, and there is now a rift between them and God, and between them and each other. And in the midst of that, in their rebellion, in their waywardness, and their doubts, God says this. I will put enmity, he's speaking to the serpent who deceived them, says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring, He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is what's known as the Proto-Evangelion, the first uh, gospel nugget we see in Scripture. God is making a promise that although there would be a a rift between, there would be a battle between uh, God's people and uh, and the the serpent, the deceiver, Satan, uh, that in the end, although Satan will uh, hurt uh, God's man, that uh, ultimately... God's people will win, and that's through Jesus. We track along later. After that, sin continues. The effects of sin continue to break down the world. We see um, generation after generation sin and wickedness. And then we come to a guy named Abraham. In Genesis 17, Abraham, uh, if you know the story, you you should read it. Uh, God uh, is leading this guy, Abraham, and he makes this promise to him. He says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. Genesis 17, I'll make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you and throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. You see, God makes a promise yet again to his guy Abraham and says, I'm going to bless you and your family and generations after you will be blessed. I will keep my covenant promise with you. If you know the story, Abraham does some some foolish things. He ends up, you know, he doesn't trust God, so he... uh, to God to provide for him, so he ends up um, sleeping with another woman in order to have a child. You see that uh, he doesn't trust God in one essence and actually uh, actually gives his wife over to another king for a season. Not good. All the while, God remains faithful to his promise. Abraham has a son, Isaac, and in Genesis 26, God is going to bless Isaac. God says this, I will be with you, and I will bless you. To you and to your offspring, I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and will give to you, your offspring, all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Does any of that sound familiar? 
God is blessing Isaac in the same way that he blessed Isaac's father Abraham. Same, look, I blessed Abraham, I'm going to bless his children and generations after him. And God fulfills that promise saying, hey Isaac, I'm going to bless you and all your children after you. And then through your lineage, all the world will be blessed. Now, I'm going to give you a spoiler. It's Jesus. Right? Jesus comes from the line of Abraham and Isaac. And then through Jesus, the whole world is blessed ultimately in a right relationship with God and each other. But it doesn't end there. After Isaac, we see another guy, uh, Jacob, in Genesis 28. God is blessing Jacob, who comes from Isaac. I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And you will bring, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. God is still saying, look, I am making good on my word. I am going to be a God who keeps a covenant with unfaithful people. If you know the story of Jacob, he, like his dad and his dad's dad, did some foolish things didn't act on trust in the Lord at all times, but God remained faithful. Generations later, God's people had gotten so numerous that they're enslaved in Egypt. God frees them, has Moses lead them, and teaches them along the way, which ultimately leads us to the book of Deuteronomy, which is, which is Moses' teaching from God to God's people as they are traveling uh, to the land of promise despite all this rebellion. So the first thing I want us to see of that snippet is that God is always faithful to his unfaithful people. First and foremost, we base our faith on that truth, is that God is a faithful God. You will be let down if you base your faith on the faith of your mom and dad, because they will fail you at some point. You will be let down if you base your faith on the faith of some pastor or teacher or denominational leader. You will be let down. I mean, in the past couple weeks, I have seen some of the guys that have had the biggest impact on me and my personal life and ministry step down from leadership due to just, I don't even know if they're true, just accusations of wrongdoing has caused them to step away from their ministry. My heart's broken. I'm like crying. I'm weeping over these guys. But you know what the good news is? I don't base my faith on those men. I base my faith on the faithfulness of God. Right, And so I want to challenge you here today. You walk in here, you say, uh, maybe you were here looking for a church home because your previous church was hard for you. Maybe you're here doubting and seeking just something in the faith. Maybe you're here a total skeptic and cynic, and you're like, dude, I don't believe a word that's coming out of your mouth. That's fine. It's God's word. God will remain true to his word. God is a faithful covenant-keeping God. He always makes good on his promise. And I'm sorry that you maybe have been hurt or somebody has let you down, but may that never Uh, cloud your vision to see who the true hero of the faith is. And that's God in Christ. And we're getting there. So first and foremost, we see to have faith in God's faithfulness means first we see that God is faithful to his unfaithful people. But a second thing I want us to see through that, and all of that comes from the Bible. Second, God displays his faithfulness through people in places over time. Now, this is important because often, if you're like me, I'm an introvert. Somebody just mentioned a cool introvert shirt that I, if you buy it for me, I will wear it. 
It's easy for us to say, give me my Bible and let me just retreat and commune with Jesus and leave me alone. That's the default mode for me, believe it or not. I'm like, just give me my Bible. Just leave me alone. We see in Scripture that God displays his faithfulness through other people in places over time. You cannot grow in your faith by yourself. I mean, here at Redemption, we often talk about our threefold purpose statement is gospel, community, mission. We want everything we do to point to the gospel, the good news of the personal work of Jesus. We see that it's a core value to do that in community with other people, believers who are at different stages of faith, a veteran believer, a new believer, a not yet believer. And we journey together and see God show his faithfulness to other people and to each other. And we share that with one another. It's so important to journey in the faith together. You know, God did not just take Moses and lead Moses to the promised land. He took thousands of people at different stages of faith and rebellion. If you read the story in the Exodus, you see some people are like, we're going to worship this golden calf. And you see Moses get angry and break stuff. And I'm like, yes, that's, yes, gospel, break stuff, be angry. But all the while, the theme remains the same, that God displays his faithfulness through people and places over time. When you read scripture from Genesis to Revelation, you see time and time again, you know, certain quote unquote heroes of the Bible drop the ball, totally rebel, do something stupid. You see, Peter is a drunk, uh, is a fisherman who cusses a lot. Yay, that's awesome. You see, Moses gets angry. You see, Abraham does some dumb stuff. You see, David is like an epic songwriter, the best songwriter ever, but he like fools around with somebody he shouldn't fool around with and ends up getting this other guy killed on purpose, right? All the while, he's like the man after God's own heart. What is that about? Every quote-unquote hero of the Bible fails, but the hero of the Bible, the true hero of the Bible, ultimately is Jesus Christ. And God is showing his faithfulness to all of these unfaithful, broken heroes so that we can look and see Jesus fulfill all of those expectations perfectly. And that's so exciting. So what does that mean for you and I? We see God shows his faithfulness through people in places over time. Verses 1 and 2 of Deuteronomy even shows this. It says, these are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan in the wilderness in the Arabah opposite Suf between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab. Next week, we're going to have a map test, and I want you guys to write in. All right. It is 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea in the 40th year on the first day of the 11th month. There's a lot of places and time there. Why? Because the, the redemptive story of God's gospel is, is for us like on a timeline. It's not some ethereal concept. It's something that, that God reveals over time. It's like this beautiful plot and this epic saga where you have like, you know, a beginning and a middle and an end. And, and we're right here in the middle with the conflict and the good stuff and the bad stuff and the glimpses of winning. And, oh, no, there's some losing. What's going on? If you look at that, that's how Deuteronomy opens. Right? There's a reason that Moses writes down all of these places and times. Why? Because God works in places over time through his people. Through his people like Moses. Through his, his people, even, even guys that we would think are bad. It talks about different kings, like the defeated Sihon, the king of the Amorites who live in Heshbon, and Og. Og? He defeats Og. We don't know who that guy is, but you know what? If you look through history, you see that God had a redemptive plan and purpose using Sihon and Og. It's amazing. 
God uses people, uh, works through people to display his faithfulness. He works through Moses, through David. He works through you. He works through me. He works through us together, right? And he works in places. So I want to stop there for a second. What are some places of faith significance for you? I mean, where is a, think about a place that has had some major impact on your faith. Maybe it's the, the, the kitchen table where you sat with your parents and they talked, the Bible, uh, talked through the Bible with you. Maybe it's a, a camp or something that you went to as a, as a high school or college kid, maybe where you met the Lord. Maybe it's the place where you uh, were baptized. Maybe it's the church you grew up in. You know, for me, I had a, a pivotal moment in my life in faith in, in a, a little town called uh, Chisney Duara, Romania. Right, this little village where I spent 90-something days one summer uh, working with kids. God just wrecked my soul and gave me an understanding of the gospel in a fresh way. It's a very special place. You know, the mountains, like snow. It's like, well, it's summer. There's snow. Sweet. And we hiked up to it and played with the snow. It was great. Special place for me. So what place exists for you? I mean, what place was it that God used? Never discount it. God uses places, right? But also he uses, he uses time, right? So God works through people in places over time. So places are important, but time is important. Um, even in verses 2 and 3. It says it's an 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir and Kadesh Barnea in the 40th year of the first day of the 11th month. There are reasons why Moses put those time, those time markers in there. It's not just to say, oh, uh, it's, it's a long journey. It's a long way. No, God did something during that journey. Right. The locations are important, but the, but the time and the, and the path they took to get there, God did something. Read the story of Exodus, and you know, we, we can jump from one side to the other. We can say, God's people are enslaved, and God set them free, and here's the promised land. But we forget the, the near 40-year time period of them wandering through the wilderness, stopping at this mountain and this place and having this event happen. That's important. So I want you to think about the places, but also think about some time in your life that was important. See, if you're like me, you can reflect back on the times of your life and you have some good stuff and some bad stuff. You're like thinking, well, you know, my high school, the time I was in high school was just horrible. Right? I got beat up by jocks and I was in a punk band. I was an angry teenager or whatever. Or maybe like, man, college was legit. This ministry helped me out. I grew in my faith. I got to take all these trips. Whatever. Maybe it was your childhood. You can, we can often look back and we tend to either do one of two extremes when it comes to places and time. We either tend to idolize it and think, wow, those were the glory days back when we were at that place at that time with those people. It was glorious. Or we tend to either dismiss it or just be like, man, that sucked. That was awful. That guy, leader, was a bad leader. That place was stinky. And it was just not a fun time for me. Friends, God uses both of those. Right? God uses the oppressive kings that existed in the land of promise to work out his faithfulness to his people. He uses Og and Sihon. Right? He also uses Moses. Right? He uses the, the people in the places that were occupying the promised land and said, those people are in your lands, in the land I'm going to give you. Watch my faithfulness displayed as I get them out of there and give you that land. 
You with me? So think about the places. Think about the time. Don't idolize it nor discount it, but look at it through the lens of the gospel. How did God use that place and that time to point me to Jesus? Because even the hard seasons of life are meant to point us to Christ. Even those times that you had to walk through a hardship with your church, or you had to walk through a hardship with your family, or a hardship at your school, or a personal hardship with your health, or a faith crisis, or whatever, that was an opportunity for God to show his faithfulness to you. Even though other people around you may have failed, God was faithful. And that is good news. So God shows his faithfulness in places over time, but also through people, which is important. As I've mentioned, we talked about Sihon and Og and Moses. We get down to verses 13 and 15. We see this. So look what's going on here. God God is saying this. He's saying in verse 6, God says, uh, Moses is writing this down. The Lord our God said to us in Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all their neighbors in the Arabah and the hill country and the lowland of the Negev and all the seacoast and the land of the Canaanites and Lebanon and as far as the great river, the Euphrates. God said, you've stayed here long enough. It's time to move on. You've stayed here, and I've done work in your midst at this place for this time, but it's time to go. And he says, the journey, he says, you've stayed long enough at this mountain, turn, take your journey. My friends, the journey is part of God's faithfulness to you. Not just the place, not just the time, but the journey from this part to the next. That's what life is. It's the journey. Not a destination, right? Aerosmith? Anyone? Verse 8. See, I have set the land before you. Go in. Take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them and to their offspring after them. God is saying, I have proved my faithfulness in this place. I've proved my faithfulness to you in this time. I'm going to remain faithful as you go with those people, as I did to your, to your fathers and to your grandfather and to your great-grandfather and to your great-great-grandfather. I have remained faithful now. Since I have remained faithful, go, turn, journey, take possession. So friends, we must not be stuck in a place where we look back to our prior experiences, either uh, in, in, you know, with rose colored glasses. Look how glorious. I wish we could return to those days. We can't, we won't. God is leading us somewhere better. Nor should we look back and go, man, that was the horriblest English ever. The worst season ever. I never want to go back there. God uses that to show his faithfulness. And then this is what happens after that. He says, go, Take possession, like we, we act on the faithfulness of God. Are you with me? He says, look, look, I've been faithful in places over time with people. I want you to go do something because I'm faithful. I want you to go. I want you to journey. I want you to take possession. Not because you're awesome, because God's awesome. Not because you're strong enough, smart enough, wise enough, or cool enough. No, because God is faithful, so we go. We journey. We take possession. That's what God is saying to his people. But look what else, over places, over time, through people. 
Verse 11, may the Lord, the God of your fathers, make you a thousand times as many as you are and bless you as he has promised you. How can I bear by myself the weight and burden of you in your strife? Choose for your tribes wise and understanding and experienced men, and I will appoint them as your heads. And you answered me, the thing that you have spoken is good for us to do. So I took the heads of your tribes, wise and experienced men, and set them as heads over you, commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, commanders of fifties, commanders of tens, and officers throughout your tribes. What we're going to see in the book of Deuteronomy is there's not only you know, religious stuff going on, there's political and civil structure being put into place. All of this is to show God's faithfulness. You see, what's cool about this is God doesn't make Moses king of everybody. But through Moses, God appoints, um, through Moses and through, through the people of Israel, God, uh, they appoint leaders, commanders, and Moses organizes them. You know what's cool about that? Is God is showing his faithfulness through guys whose names aren't even in the Bible. You get that? He's like, look, I'm going to give you know, commanders of thousands, of hundreds. We don't know who those thousands are. We don't know who those hundreds. They don't have their names, all of them. But God is faithful to them and through them. And that's awesome. So who? So as a community grows, they, they grow in influence, right? And you and I have experienced the same thing. Right, when we look at this and say, look, Jeremy, I'm, I know it's kind of hard to track. Oh, by the way, if you're on the city, which you should be, if not, get on the city. If you don't know what that is, see the guest services table. Not now, but after the service. And get on the city. I will be posting some information of the background of Deuteronomy. Because right, there's so much there. I was like, man, I can get up here and lecture for four hours. I know you guys really want that. But we're not going to do that. So what I'm going to do, because you can read, I hope, and I can help you if you can't, I will post some background stuff about Deuteronomy on the city in the next day or two so that you can look and kind of kind of get a context, right? Because you're like, man, this is a couple thousand years ago. They're in the desert. What does that have to do with me? What it has to do with you is God was faithful to his people in that place at that time. He is faithful in this place at this time to his people, and he uses people to show his faithfulness. And so I want to ask you this question as we reflect. Who are some significant people in your life that God has used or is using to show his faithfulness to you? Who? I mean, is, is there somebody? Is there somebody from your past that God had just showed his faithfulness through that man or woman to you? And you thought, man, I feel, feel closer to the Lord because of this person's investment in me. Maybe you have that person in your life now. Maybe it's somebody in this church. Maybe it's a mentor from another church. Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's somebody in your missional community. I don't know, but who is it? Because, friends, we see the faithfulness of God in places over time, but through people. And if we're not connected to people, we miss out on the experience of God showing his faithfulness. We see in Deuteronomy that God showed his faithfulness to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and that God used through Moses showed his faithfulness to Israel to lead them out, right? Moses didn't lead them. God led them, but he did it through Moses, led them out of captivity toward a promised land. And then God continues to show his faithfulness through these unnamed commanders of of the uh, tribes, okay? So who is it in your life that God has shown his faithfulness to or through to you? There's a guy that uh, I'll just, I'll throw this out there. I'll start. About 12 years ago, there was a, a guy named Chris Griggs. He listens to this podcast. So what's up, Chris? Uh, he's a pastor up in North Carolina. He was a pastor in Augusta at the time. I was a single guy trying to find my way in the world. And this guy uh, was a, a friend to me. 
know, he was about a decade older than me, so he wasn't like super old, but he was actually the age I am now. That's cool. So that's weird. So when I was in my young 20s, and he was this age, um, he, he just spent time with me, man. He was married, had kids, and I wanted to be married and had kids so, and have kids. So he, he just walked with me through some issues of faith and, and walked with me through some practical issues. We talked about starting an 80s cover band. I mean, he was just a cool guy to hang out with. And he, lo- he ended up starting an 80s cover band, too, man. Same band name and everything. So if you're ever in North Carolina, look for the band 80, 80s cover band. What's up, Chris? Um, but Chris walked through biblical things with me. He walked through practical things through me, and he helped me see not only biblically with the Bible, but just practically how good God was blessing me just because I belonged to him. I mean, he helped me understand that, that my years of waiting tables at the pizza joint uh, with a college degree, like, that's not a bad thing. God took me to that place for a time to teach me something about his goodness. It's helped me grow as a disciple. It's such a good thing. And so I'm so thankful for my friend Chris, who like walked with me to help me understand and apply the gospel better. So who is that for you? And do you have someone like that? Do you want someone like that? We all need, we all need to have relationships to see God's faithfulness work through other people. Here at Redemption Church, our, uh, the way we, we try to help foster that is is not only through worship gatherings but through missional communities where you can you can get to know a handful of people and see god at work and work together to see god at work and then we try to connect people to what we call dna groups for discipleship nurture and accountability we we try to just help you to be friends with people because there's something largely biblical about eating a pot of chili together or like grilling out is biblical to feast and just hang out and then share what's God doing in your life and and you know bring your doubts bring your fears bring your anything and just lay it out there and see what God does to chop it up so first as we start the book of Deuteronomy we're just starting i want us to see that God is a faithful God to his unfaithful people secondly that God displays his faithfulness through people in places over time And thirdly, I want us to see that true faith, our true faith, is tethered to God's faithfulness. Like, you can't have faith, biblical faith, without tethering it to God's faithfulness. Okay? What that means is we hold on to the promises of God that we see. Because everything that Moses writes here... It's tied to the faithfulness of the Lord. In verse 3, it says, according to all that the Lord had given him. If you see the word Lord capitalized in your Bible, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, uh, that is God's covenant name, Yahweh. That's God's covenant name. It's not just the God that exists, but it's covenant name. It is a very personal name. His, that name has implications of his faithfulness is what I'm getting at. And so for him to be the Lord, our God, Yahweh, our God, said to us, and he says in verse 8, See, I have the land before you. Go in, take possession of it, the land that the Lord, our covenant God, swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give them into their offspring. Verse 10, the Lord, your God, has multiplied you. Verse 11, may the Lord, the God of your fathers, make you a thousand times and bless you. Time and time again, we see the Lord 
the Lord our God, the Lord your God. Time and time again in the book of Deuteronomy. Why? Because true faith is tethered to God's faithfulness. God's people in Deuteronomy were told to turn, to go, to journey, to take possession of that land. Not first, um, clean yourself up, and then maybe I'll give you that land. Or worship better, and then I'll give you that land. Or, or try harder, or maybe do better, or maybe, you know, actually most of them were saying, we just want to go back to Egypt. We would rather be enslaved, where at least we get a good meal at night. That's what they were saying. They were like, some of, some of the people traveling here, they, they had been there for hundreds of years. Guys, people have been enslaved for a few hundred years, and they're saying, you know what? We hate the desert. Just take us back there where we can have a good meal. That's rebellion. That's unfaithfulness. But God remained faithful. They are instructed to obey, to do, to act, to journey, to take hold of, based not on their faithfulness, but on God's faithfulness. I'm going to ring that bell for the next 44 sermons. Because I don't want us walking in here, and I don't want, I don't want to say, look, if you can spell Kadesh Barnea in Hebrew, uh, you win. No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to hammer doctrine into you unless uh, we want to hammer the gospel into you. We want, we want you to see uh, that your faith is based on God's faithfulness. And God has proven faithful throughout the Old Testament into the New Testament. Ultimately, God's faithfulness is shown in the person and work of Jesus Christ because Jesus does everything that every person should do but can't. He fulfilled every, every Old Testament law and expectation. He lived a perfect life that we all should live, but we don't because we're broken and we're sinners. And then he died a death as a sacrifice once and for all, an atonement to take away the sin and brokenness <clears throat> And to, in turn, give us the righteousness of God. It's not something we earn. It's not something we achieve. It's something that we receive. That Jesus does for us on our behalf. And in turn, we get to spend eternity worshiping the Lord when he returns with a new heaven and a new earth. And that's exciting. And so, friends, I have a couple things I want to charge you with, a couple practical things. Because I said, you know, God is a faithful God to his unfaithful people. Right? And that God shows his faithfulness through people in places over time. And then thirdly, that true biblical faith is tethered to God's faithfulness. And so I want to ask you to do a couple things, a couple practical takeaways. Uh, first and foremost, <clears throat> I want us to um, this. If you see in the bottom of your bulletin, we have a couple questions that we're gonna we put in here every Sunday, and these are for your reflection and discussion. Okay, we're gonna categorize them in, in the purpose statement of gospel community mission. Because, like I said, we want everything we do to see the gospel, the good news of the personal work of Jesus, and we want to do that in the context of community together. And thirdly, that's to prompt us to mission, just like we see in the book of Deuteronomy's opening. We see the good news of God's faithfulness to His people. We see that it's done in the context of community because God shows His faithfulness through people and places over time. And then thirdly, true, our true faith and active faith is tethered to God's faithfulness. We obey because God is faithful. We go, we journey, we take hold of whatever that God instructs. We do those things because he is faithful. And that's the active mission part of that. So as you look at that, I want you to take that home, use it in your MC DNA group, or just think about it, talk it over with your spouse, uh, whatever, because it's meant to, to help you apply the gospel. But a couple other things I want us to know is that 
First, true biblical faith that's tethered to God's faithfulness remembers and celebrates his faithfulness from the past. There's a past aspect to faith. We, we look back to remember God's faithfulness. How do you and I do that? Well, we read scripture. We read the Bible and we see how God has been faithful from Genesis all the way through Revelation, how he was faithful to Old Testament Israel, how he was faithful to his apostles and disciples in the early church. Man, read church history. If you're a history buff like me, read the, what, what went down the first couple hundred years is just crazy. It's awesome. It'd make a killer movie. And God was faithful to his people. God is faithful today. You watch the current events and news, man, your heart's breaking what's going on in the Middle East right now. People are getting persecuted for, for their faith. And other parts of the world as well, that's just where I guess the spotlight is right now. But all over the world, people are dying for their faith. But God, man, God is faithful. God is faithful, man. I I read a story yesterday that somebody sent me about how there are um, Islamic extremists who, who are who are starting to consider the faith of Christianity as they as they persecute the Yazidis in Iraq. I was like, I was like, what? I want to, I want more details on that because that's exciting to see that like a Yazidi being persecuted for the gospel. Actually, that faithfulness that's based on God's faithfulness will lead some extremists to faith. That's killer news, man. That's such good news. So first, I want us to see that faith remembers and celebrates God's faithfulness to the past. Secondly, is that faith gives us hope toward the future. That's why uh, we press on, we go, we journey, we take hold of what God has for us because we have hope that God will continue to be faithful because he's proved it in the past. And thirdly, faith prompts joyful obedience in the present here and now. If you are here now in this place with people, God has proven his faithfulness to you through the other people in this room. So I'll challenge you with this, uh, and we see that uh, in verse 6, the Lord God uh, took them on. Uh, in verse 8, he has set the land before them. He swore to, his, uh, to Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob. And even down in verse 18, I commanded you at that time all the things that you should do. There are things that you do in light of God's faithfulness. And I want us to joyfully obey what God has for us, not out of fear, not out of doubt, not out of pride, but out of Humility, saying, man, God is so faithful. I just want to, I want to joyfully worship him. I want to joyfully obey what he has me to. I want to, I want to, I want to live out the life of a Christian man, a Christian husband, a Christian father. And not because I'm afraid the Lord is going to strike me down, but because he's so faithful on his promises. I just want to live that kind of life to honor him and to serve my family. I want to live the life as a, as a Christian man in this church um, because I want, to, I want to honor the Lord out of his faithfulness. And so I'll challenge you with this, friends. We, at Redemption Church, we, we gather for worship. We have missional communities, uh, DNA groups. We have service teams. Man, let me tell you, here's, here's an element of God's faithfulness in our midst. Is uh, Two weeks ago, Ben Ritchie stood up here and, and preached what I thought was one of the best sermons he's preached uh, to date. And, um, and you walked out that door, and we had, I think it was 24 uh, people get involved with service teams who had not, who had priorly not been involved in service teams. 24. That's amazing. I mean, like doubles our service team volunteer. That's amazing. And so that's God showing his faithfulness. He's using you to show his faithfulness. We have people right now teaching the gospel to our little ones and redemption kids. As God's using those teachers to show God's faithfulness to those little ones. My, I have four little ones. Three of them are over there. Tell, thank you for teaching my kids the gospel over there. You know, it's good news. God is at work in our midst. I'll ask you this. Here's the challenge for some of you. 
If you are not a covenant member of Redemption Church, if you're a guest, we're so glad you're here. If you're a member of another church, thanks for coming and send our blessings back to your other church when you get back there. But if you are looking for a church home, I would challenge you, prayerfully consider covenanting with this community. And here's why. If God is a faithful God to unfaithful people, and God shows his faithfulness through people and places over time, doesn't it make sense to look at the place you are for the time you're here and say, I need to covenant with those people just for a season? We would love to have you here. We've had people join this church for nine weeks and then move back up north and then move back here again to covenant again, which is awesome. We have people in the military who are here for just a couple months. They'll say, look, I want to be a covenant member while I'm here. Uh, but when I leave, I'm going to be a covenant member somewhere else. That's awesome. If you're here for three months, three years, 30 years, whatever it is, I would challenge you and encourage you biblically to covenant in a place for a time with other people. Because in so doing, you will see God faithfully work in you through other people, and he will work through you for other people. Friends, one of the greatest acts of sanctification or experiences of sanctification for me, has been marriage and family, and second, has been this church, right? Not because I'm a pastor, not because I'm a, a leader here, just because I'm a guy who, who needs other people to speak the gospel into me. And God has shown me in a decade of this church's existence, has proven his faithfulness in amazing ways. And so I'd encourage you to, man, to join, join the team, man. It's so much fun. We'd love to have you. That's a plug. See the guest services table. At the end of the day, we see that our God is a covenant-keeping God, showing his faithfulness through people and places over time. And in response, our true active faith is tethered to God's faithfulness. And the resounding theme is God wins. And in Jesus, we have our ultimate true faith and ultimate joy. So join us next week and we'll continue. Okay, let me pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Uh, Just a chance to open your word. God, your word is so deep and so thick and so rich. It takes a lifetime to study, and we just get the tip of the iceberg of your good news. So, God, thank you that we just had a few minutes to open your word today. I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room, God, as we walk out of here, uh, that we would have time to dig deeper in personal study and prayer and reflection and discussion, and that you would work uh, by your Holy Spirit through us, through each other, uh, to understand this good news even better and apply it uh, even more fully than what we've just heard now. God, for those in this room who don't know you, Lord, I pray that you would awaken uh, dead hearts to life, that there would be an understanding of who you are and what you've done for your people throughout generations. God, that you would save uh, the lost. God, that you would awaken to life uh, dead hearts. And God, for those who are here who are seekers and doubters and skeptics, God, I thank you that you are a God who welcomes questions but then answers those questions with such good news. I pray for wisdom for my brothers and sisters seeking wisdom. Uh, God, for those in this room who are, who are new to the faith, I pray you grow up in, in strong faith as men and women of God. God, for those uh, who are returning to the faith, I pray that they would rest in forgiveness and you're welcoming your prodigals home. God, for veteran believers, Lord, I pray for 
a continued, uh, a continued spark of zealous joy for the gospel, and, and Lord, that you would work in them and through them to benefit other believers. God, I pray that you would use the believers in this church to be salt and light to a lost and dying world. God, as folks return to school and work this week, as they go home to families and neighborhoods, God, as they parent their children this week, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that salt and light would be, uh, would be uh, their understanding of, of the life that you have us to live this week, that you would be showing your faithfulness to moms, to dads, uh, to workers, to students, uh, to men and women, to young and old alike. God, I pray that you would be showing your faithfulness to them and that you would be showing your faithfulness through them to those who don't know. Uh, God, in all things, we pray that the name of Jesus would be made much of. God, that every tongue would confess and every knee would bow indeed. And we look forward to your, your day of doing that. So, God, we ask that in the name of Jesus, you continue to do uh, what best glorifies you and that we would get great joy in it and that the good news of Jesus Christ would ripple from this congregation out to the nations. We ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen.